Hi, welcome to Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. My name is Rene from Valorum Reply, and today we're going to talk about enterprise quantum computing and quantum machine learning again. And for this, I'm very honored to have a special expert guest today, Santanu Ganguli. Hi, Santanu, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Rene. Thank you very much for having me at the show. I'm pretty good. I hope you are too uh, during these dynamic times. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me here. Awesome. So before we start with the questions, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as it relates to uh, quantum computing, computer science, and, you know, all the field here? Sure. Um, I, I was always a student of physics. And in fact, I was uh, doing my PhD uh, in UK and in, in physics. And then I got up got an opportunity to work um, in Switzerland in network engineering um, sort of, you know, domain. So I thought, hey, it'd be nice to go and live in Zurich for a while. So I left my PhD and went to work in Switzerland. And I, I enjoyed it very much. But uh, fundamentally, uh, my background is in physics and math. I've got a uh, postgrads in both subjects. And, um, and then, of course, I spend uh, quite a few years in computer science and related subject matters as well. So that's that's my basic background. Um, yeah, that's 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 who I am. Thank you. Oh, awesome. And uh, so you're also um, working at Cisco, right? And uh, which is a large enterprise company, very much famous for networking and many other things. Um, but what are some of the topics uh, at Cisco when it comes to quantum computing? And, and what role is, is quantum computing actually playing in these kind of enterprise systems at the moment? That's a, that's a very good question. So uh, to answer the first part of your question, it's absolutely right. Cisco is uh, basically in 70% enterprises across the world. And we have got a very healthy customer base there. We have, and, and Cisco has uh, traditionally led networking, servers, computer systems, software, everything in the industry. And we are also aware that quantum computing and security related to that is something that is upcoming, something that is happening today as per NIST, as per NCSC. And we are actually very consciously in there working with the standards divisions to meet those criteria. So that's where we are. We are telling our, we are telling the industry that we have our foot in there. We are working with yeah. post-quantum crypto currently. So that's that's our model right now. We are also looking at other branches of quantum computing, uh, not just quantum computing, also communication. So mm -hmm. for example, uh, today there are different types of quantum computers. You have superconducting quantum computers from IBM or Google. You have annealing-based computers, quantum computers from DWEV. You have photonic quantum computers from Xanadu. But none of these computers, even though they are of the same hardware, has ever communicated between each other. And this is where Cisco comes in because we are a communication company. So that is our major focus is quantum, quantum internet. Now, a lot of people will laugh at us or me if I say quantum internet. And it is true, it's quite a few years away. But if we sit back and tell people it's quite a few years away and we won't work on it, that's not going to get us to where we wish to go. So our, yeah. our policy is to follow Abraham Lincoln saying that, um, you know, 
you need to build your future. To to ensure your future, you need to build it yourself. So that's that's what you are. Thank you. That 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 very much um, is uh, like I love this statement you were just saying, right? It's like you can always say, "Oh yeah, that's too far away." It's like, "Oh, that's that doesn't doesn't work." Like, but if you never move, if you, if there's no early mover, like no one will move, right? Exactly. So someone got to take, and it takes brave people like you and and the team, right, to actually do that, and and you know. Uh, work on a on a mission, and also you know myself. Of course, I'm also just working on emerging technologies, and some of those might not turn out to be a huge business, but others will. And that's you know you got to take that, and you got to work on it. Especially like you were saying, like with um, you know Cisco being a large network company. And maybe another question re regarding to that: um, the the whole QKD, like the quantum key distribution, and uh, the the amazing progress. I just saw the. The other day that in Japan, they made a new record in June this year, I think, with a 600 kilometer long uh, quantum key distribution channel, which is quite impressive. Um, but I guess that's also something you guys are uh, looking at, right? Uh, uh, very much so. So currently Cisco's, uh, Cisco's vision, and we actually, as, as we speak, we have a solution as in our software implemented for post-quantum cryptography. When I say post-quantum cryptography, I mean using classical encryption, not quantum, but classical encryption that is yep. theoretically supposed to be quantum proof. So yep. why are you doing this? Because again, as I said, we are following the standardization. But now that we have a PQC solution, we are also working with universities and research institutes to look at options of taking it to the next step. So when, if and when, uh, the standard, the standards body decides that okay, today is the day that QKD should go into networks. We will be ready if that day ever happens. And at the same time, QKD is also part of that communication stack that I spoke about. Mm -hmm. When yeah. when you have two quantum computers communicating between each other, there are stacks of security, there are stacks of communication, there there are stacks of resource management, various stacks. And that's something we need to think about, not just transforming one qubit to, from one point to another. And then, you know, because that does not serve a large scale purpose. So, yep. yes, you're very correct. We're definitely looking at that. Yeah. So that uh, the scalability is, of course, the challenge. Uh, but this is important to actually move it into production out of the research labs and that's one of the the pieces you guys are working on. Um, awesome. Is there any other thing you would say where you're already seeing impactful uh, applied quantum computing solutions like quantum inspired computing or anything else where you would love to share an example about? Sure. Um, I think I think major impact right now as we speak. One of the major impacts is in chemistry and molecular modeling, and that's not just quantum computing. There's also a part, an aspect of quantum machine learning there so you asked for an example and i think one of the one of the ready examples in my head right now is the uh, the research team at penn state university in us who are actually looking at at modeling of uh, covid vaccine using quantum computing really? and this is a research group being led by dr swarub kosh and and they are they actually started working on it i think early last year so that's that's one example of it but there are various other examples in drugs industry in in protein folding and 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 that's just uh, that's just in chemistry and molecular modeling on the on the other hand 
there is a there is a very large push from the financial industry uh, mm -hmm. towards towards quantum algorithms and machine learnings as well. So uh, you may be aware that Goldman Sachs has built up a, a quantum computing research team. JP Morgan is doing the same thing. And right. all these guys are doing it because they see an advantage there that they have missed or probably they think they cannot get in classical computing. So. Right. right. It's this... I mean, if if we think about portfolio, you know, risk analysis and all of these problems, these are these super like NP complex problems like that are just, you know, incredibly hard because they're exponential. And with classical computer, it doesn't work that well. But with quantum computers, you basically add another qubit and you get another exponent at it. So you can solve these exponential problem in, well, linear polynomial time depends really on the problem. But um yeah, it totally makes sense. Actually, in fact, at a at a quantum conference earlier this year, I don't remember which one, but uh, there was a speaker basically also talking about quantum finance, and he basically said like, financial institutes need to get on the the wagon now because otherwise, if they miss the opportunity, they will be gone out of business in like five to ten years, right? Because they cannot. Their competition will be so strong, basically, um, with the, the you know all the financial institutes that invested already in um, in these kind of technologies. Um, but speaking about quantum machine learning, um, I also know that you uh, wrote a book about applied quantum machine learning, which sounds actually super exciting. So, can you tell us a little bit more about your book and, um, of course, first of all, the title and where folks can get it, but also what do you cover in there? Would love to learn a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, the title of the book is Quantum Machine Learning and Applied Approach. And I went for the applied approach because prior to that, prior to starting to write the book, which I did in, during the lockdowns last year, there were two, uh, I think, mainstream major works in quantum computing. One was the first ever one was by late, great Dr. Peter Vitek. Uh, he wrote a book on quantum machine learning. Uh, back in 2011, I think, and then of course there's the there is the seminal volume by um, by by Dr. Mario Schultz and 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 Petrucione, uh, supervised learnings uh, with with quantum computers that came out in 2018, and they were they were great read, especially Mar uh, especially Mario Schultz's book. I I mean I I really enjoyed it. I have it right there, and the the thing is I I enjoyed those books. But what I realized after I went through them and after I started to, uh, you know, uh, dabble in hands-on quantum computing itself is, like I said before, there are so many various quantum platforms. There, IBM has one, Google has one, um, yeah. Xanadu has one, D-Wave has one, Rigetti has one, and, and, and several others. Now, you have uh, this whole bunch of quantum algorithms, the theory of which are all explained in these books very nicely. How do you apply those theories and those algorithms to these diverse uh, platforms, number one? Number two, do all those algorithms give you similar advantage on every different platform? So these are, these are things that sort of triggered my interest in writing a book on, with an applied approach. So my approach or what I try to do is introduce a theory and then introduce the coding bit, be that Google, be that, uh, be that um, um, IBM, be that Rigetti or DOF systems. 
So I'm very grateful to DF Systems. They actually reviewed my two chapters on DF Systems to go through where you mentioned NP hard problems. I actually did a, uh, uh, did a code, um, a sample code on traveling salesman problem and, 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 nice. and Rigetti's max cut problem, which are all NP hard. So, uh, so that, that was my, that was my thinking that look, there are lots of people like me around who have all these four or five different uh, platforms in front of them. And they have all this theory, which they understand, but perhaps it'd be good to try and bridge that gap where they understand and where they apply. So that's, that's, awesome. that's where it came from. That's, that's amazing. And exactly, I think th these are really the missing pieces here to um, you know, help uh, people to actually get into quantum because you have a lot of academic and scientific like papers and books and whatnot. But like this applied approach that, that you cover in your book, this is really missing in the market. So um, folks, get a copy. I will also order one, of course. Um, it's, it's definitely worth investing because this is definitely the future. And maybe the last question for you uh, regarding um, QML and uh, in general, what uh, I was just talking recently with Johannes Oberreuter with another episode of Qbytes, which you should all check out. Um, about QML in general and uh, image, no, image classification, QML image classification. He was telling me like the only results they have, even with small quantum computers, basically you inject a layer in your neural network with for quantum computer in a later stage, right? When the features were basically extracted and they were seeing like better accuracy already, like even with the small quantum computers, but it's like, why is that the case? Uh, I'll, I'll try to explain my, my point of view on that. So. So image processing, as you correctly correctly point out, is a is a very very important part. Not just not just for for academic purpose, <laughs> but also for security. And and the reason for that is, um, if and when we are ready to have quantum sensors out there, some of which are being produced right now, what right. you'll get is you'll get three D data, data in three dimension, mm -hmm. which is essentially quantum data. Once you get quantum data, so, okay, I'll, I'll first try to answer your question and then I'll go to what I'm saying. So your question was existing data and, and why some, some results are better. The, the reason for that is, again, when you take a, a classical image and you piece it up, you chop it up in little, little pieces, and you transfer it into a quantum image processing algorithm. There are several. Uh, FAQR comes to mind. Uh, any AnyQR comes to mind. FRQI comes to mind. Sorry, I misspoke before. What it does is it gives you that probabilistic application of quantum mechanics mm. to yeah. optimize or deteriorate your image further, or optimize it further or deteriorate it further. I'm not saying every run of those processing or machine learning runs will give you an amazing optimized image. It may not, but some runs will give you that optimized better version. The reason is you take, when you transfer, when you process a classical image into a quantum machine learning process, you take a classical image. And what we typically do is we do feature mapping. So mm -hmm. from a classical XY 2D image, we map it into a Hilbert space where it's more than two dimensions. Yep. And is those, is those multiple dimensions that gives it the added power because you get so many various different probabilities to apply. And this same thing will apply once we get 
what I was talking about, the 3D image or quantum quantum image. And then we should be able to see around the corner. So if you have a building, we should theoretically be able to see what's happening behind the building once we have that kind of data and quantum processing. That actually makes a lot of sense. Is uh, You can represent your data better and closer to the nature, if you will. Um, so, that's true. yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, unfortunately, we're already at the end of the show. I think we could talk for, for many more hours. But um, I thank you so much, Santanu, for joining us today and sharing your insights. That is highly appreciated. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you very much for your kind words. And uh, thank you for your attention. All right, folks, thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. Watch our blog, follow our social media channels to hear all about the next episodes and when we release them. Um, so far, take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.